We want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on the screen. We got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pocket. We keep our yes, you are in. All right, chapter 16, not a God person. This might have captured some of your eyes. Yeah, listen, I, I love working off truth and logic. I may be a believer. I bet on hope. But I have people I love very much that aren't so sure about all this. So I encourage them the best I can. They encourage me, of course. And whether you believe in God or not, if you're married, most of you want to work. Most of you want your relationships to thrive. No one likes being in a crappy marriage, right? So here you go. It's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. 16. Not a God person. If this is either you or someone you know, but you're, let's just say you're, you're an atheist, you're agnostic, but you want your marriage to work. Okay, I understand. I get it. I'm with you. And to my atheist friends, thank you for making it even this far. <laughs> if you if you did, if you made it to chapter 16, that that's, might be a miracle in itself. Uh, you have come to your atheistic conclusions based on logic. So for the sake of logic, at least factor this. If you are married, then you married a flawed person. I guess the longer you've been married to, the more that's obvious. That's a no-does statement. But younger marriages, yeah, tune in. Or those looking to get married. If you answered no to above, then yeah, guess what? You haven't been married long enough. One of my favorite sayings ever in the marriage world, of course. If you haven't had marriage issues, you have not been married long enough. And that's just to set other people free, that they think there's something wrong with them, that that that, that, that the marriage is wrong. Uh, no, we all have issues. Trust me. My favorite example is a, a, a actual pastor and marriage family therapist that had been to counseling over four separate seasons spanning over 40 years. A pastor and a marriage family therapist. <laughs> if they need help at times, you're going to need help at times. All right? Okay, back. Back to it. Therefore, if you married a flawed person, well, you did marry a flawed person, then you would be a fool to put up all your faith and hope into flaws. You get what I'm saying? You're putting If you put everything into someone that's flawed, you're going to be let down. Sooner or later, you will become disillusioned by the unmet expectations of your spouse. I'm going to repeat that. Sooner or later, you will become disillusioned. You'll be like, is this the person I married? Or is this the person I really want to marry? Uh, By the way, great question to ask before you get into the marriage. But most of you committed and you had all the great things going. Excellent. Everything's clicking and sticking. Sooner or later, though, you will become disillusioned. That's how you get arguments and friction and difference of opinion or neglect or, or silent treatments. And the only way you can deal with unmet expectations, by the way, realistic or not, that's another subject for another day, your expectations of your spouse, whether they're realistic or not. 
But the only way you're going to can deal with those unmet expectations regardless is with mercy and grace. You're going to have to choose to love. And you will absolutely have to forgive to move on. You can try to hold on to it, grudge, like a grudge poison pill. That's exactly what it's doing. You're just hanging on to the poison. That's going to eventually destroy that relationship if you don't move on. You have to. So believer or non-believer, if you refuse to forgive, yeah, poison pill, you will harbor those wrongs. Resentment builds. Ask any therapist. They run you through this is exactly what they're unearthing whether it's from childhood or, or, or later on in a relationship, resentment builds and will turn into anger. You will beat up that person verbally with that wrong. Think about that. You know, some people say depression is frozen rage. That's interesting. And if it's not you, you know this person who just they keep harping on this person for the wrong they made. I've seen it. I had a great buddy trying to restore his marriage after infidelity, but he kept rubbing his wife's nose in it. And that destroyed the marriage more than the infidelity. Just couldn't get past it. So ponder that. So yeah, spouse can only take that abuse for so long. Fade kicks in and marriage done. So let's flip it. If you are a God person, if you're listening to this, you do believe in God. If, uh, if you believe in Jesus, then this is what the owner manual says. Love God. That is your number one commandment with all your heart, soul, and mind. And yeah, I'm sorry, atheist, stick with me. In fact, I, I like to position this for the atheist as saying, if you have the spouse's Christian or your family member's Christian, you don't see them doing this, call them out on it. I'm serious. So here's, here's where the Christians should be at. They, they love God. With all their heart, soul, mind. That's number one. Number two is love your neighbor. And here's a take. My take. We'll see how it goes with you. Your spouse is your closest neighbor if you really think about it. The person you sleep with next to or should be, or at least within the vicinity, um, ideally you're in the same bed. uh, But you get what I'm saying? That's your closest neighbor. Even if they're in the room next door, it's your closest neighbor. Then you have your kids, right? So you need to serve your spouse. By the way, husbands, you know, in Ephesians where it says you must love your wife like Christ did the church. That's the only, there's no other verse that requires that quite at that extent of a relationship than that verse. That's really intriguing. My dad, yeah pointed that out a while back. Um, Ponder that. Think about what Christ did for the church. Being nailed to a cross, would you be willing to do that for your own marriage? That is the mindset. That is the command that's in there. And then, of course, you heard this reference previous chapters before. Storms will come. Unmet expectations will arrive. So what kind of foundation is your house built upon? Is it on rock or it is on sand? Check out Matthew 7, 24 through 27, referenced so many times. You are both flawed. The only way one can move and live and work with those flaws is the gift to fix. And the way to f- fix is to forgive. 
And sometimes fix requires change. I've said this too many times, but not enough times. Does that make any sense? No. Not enough times. <laughs> I haven't said it too many times. You need sometimes to change. It might be addiction. It might be abusive behavior. There's something that's got to change in order for your relationship to further thrive. And you need professionals. Maybe you need a doctor, a therapist, a pastor to get you through that. That's how you can help move along. And that includes forgiveness. And repeat above. Continually embrace an imperfect marriage. Keep working through it. And note, no matter what you did, this kind of has to do with the Ben and Kate chapter, especially for those couples that are looking to get married now. No matter what you did before marriage or how you were married, whether married in a church or not, in the perfect setting or not, there is a chance to rally it. And on the same side, you can do everything perfectly. Not live together before marriage, save sex for marriage. And by the way, I'm, obviously I'm, that's painted from the, the, the Christian standpoint, right? But you can end up trashing that marriage too. Look back to the perfects and what that whole relationship thing was about. As insight number one says, it is far more important what happens after the marriage. Atheist or not. Can you forgive? Can you choose to love? Can you choose to show grace? Can you choose to show mercy? So questions for your couple or couch time or date night. Does the above logic make sense? I need to re-listen to it, but does it make sense? Meaning an atheist can actually follow these teachings and have a successful marriage. Pause and reflect. Number two, what turns you off about those that believe in God? Mm. Supplies. Hey, this isn't just for the atheists. This is for this is for all of you. What turns you off about those believe in God? Because there is a wide spectrum of those who believe in God and the things they do and the things they say and the damage that can be done. Pause and reflect. Number three, atheists. I, I'm, I don't know. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't always put words in people's mouths. So let's just see. Let, let me just go here. Number three, what do you admire about those that believe in God? Is there anything? What do you admire about those that believe in God? Pause and reflect. That's it for chapter 16. Again, if you made this far, thank you. Uh, Number 17 is hopefully a cherry on top for you, or almost a cherry on top. We're we're getting there. Sex. We're going to tackle sex. Uh, It's clearly important to most people. And... um, Yep, we're going to go there. So stay tuned. Now go serve. Whether you are atheist or not, implement truth, implement best practices, choosing to love, choosing to forgive, choosing to change, grace, mercy.